This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello and welcome, everybody. Can uh, you hear me there on the podcast, Rachel? Can you hear me, Rachel? Can you give me a thumbs There, Rachel can hear me now. That's good news. Oh, there we go. Good news. Rachel can hear me. You can hear me. The world can hear me. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development Every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. If you have a passion for education and a talent for teaching and learning, the Witherslack Group want to hear from you. Join them as they open an incredible new school in Essex and be a founding teacher of English, Maths, Science or Primary with multiple leadership opportunities available too. As Teachers Talk Radio partners, we know how much they care about the well-being of staff and their offer to you will be superb. To find out more and apply for a role, visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Liz Truss, who is in the race for leader of the Conservative Party, has this week focused on education. Ms Trust, a former Minister for Education and Children, has repeatedly said that children are failed and let down by low expectations. She has pledged to drive up the quality of maths teaching and aims to give working parents access to childcare around the school day. Miss Trust has also stated that she will follow through on government plans to change staff to child ratios for young children 
bringing England into line with ratios in Scotland. She said, My six-point plan will ensure our education system gets back on track by giving every child the tools they need to succeed. Through a laser-like focus on improving maths and literacy standards, we will make a real difference to children's lives. And by giving families greater choice and flexibility when it comes to childcare, we will also save them money. Families are now able to apply for a school uniform grant of up to £200 per child per year, depending on your local authority and individual circumstances. It is a government-run scheme and the grant is non-repayable. Andrea Knowles, a budgeting expert at vouchers.co.uk, explained that the highest grants available to families in England is £150 per child. But this could increase up to £200 depending on personal circumstances. In Wales, the grant is up to £200 per child, up to £150 in Scotland and up to £67.50 in Northern Ireland. However, only 27 out of 149 English councils offer this grant. So parents will need to find out if this includes their local authority. This can be done on the government's website. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to briefly discuss gamification as an idea you may want to try in the future. Gamification is when you design a learning experience in a way that resembles games that young people play. There have been lots of studies into gamifying and a quick internet search will give you some good ideas and further reading. Here, I'm just going to present a few ideas I've found to work for me. Before you start, like anything new, you'll need to consider the extra time it's going to take to use gamification and decide whether it's worth it. A basic gamification method is to simply use a game as a theme for your planning. Using a game like Minecraft, for example, hugely popular with younger pupils, the phases of lessons can be split into sections and characters or places in the game can be used to present objectives. Putting this into an understandable scenario, in Minecraft you need 12 eyes of ender to create an end portal. For a topic over a half term, you create 12 challenges in line with your objectives. For each each challenge do pupils achieve an eye of ender. Once all 12 are achieved, they can complete the portal and cross to the end. The downside of this is what do you do with pupils that don't get all of the eyes of ender? Will they be demotivated or do you make the content achievable for all? Obviously, you run the risk of not engaging all pupils, but that goes for any method you try. For older pupils, this could be based on a popular TV game show. In the past, I've based revision lessons on catchphrase. It took a lot of work to create images that represented computing concepts, but the lesson was fun and was just different. You have to remember pupils will sit through a lot of presentations in their school career, so a different lesson from time to time can be quite refreshing. Another idea is using badges. 
These are best applied to tasks that need to be done. For example, awarding badges for digital literacy needed to access content on your school's virtual learning platform, like a completing and uploading homework badge, a badge for responding to feedback. Badges can be made easily in a graphics package and are really a modern digital form of the good old certificate. If this has given you food for thought, I'd love to hear what you're doing or planning to do. Why not get in touch with your top tips at TT Radio 2022? Follow us and tell us what you are doing to gamify your lessons. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome. So my guest today um, is Rachel. Now I'm going to say it. I'm going to go for it. <laughs> it's, it's a Greek name. It's all Greek to me. Uh, Sateri. Now I've probably said that. There you go. It's, it's brilliant, she says. Um, now, Rachel has been teaching um, since about 2014. She's got all of the certificates I've ever seen in my life. I have to be honest. She's no, She's got Celta Delta, Train the Trainer. She's a member of Pronsig. She's got her, she's a blogger. She, she's written for Elta. She's written for the teacher trainer journal i believe um she's written for modern i'm going to say modern english teacher because i'm saying off the top of my head it will be published in september yeah (laughs) there you go um she's worked as a volunteer for the syrian youth assembly yes i've practiced it in everything (laughs) um and i don't want to ruin everything for when she talks about her own journey into into tefl and such um but it is a pleasure to have you here, um, and it's really nice to to get the chance to properly meet you and properly get to know you, because I feel like I've known you for a long time, but I also don't really know you. So true. I mean, we all connected during the pandemic and everything, It's but, you know, it's so much better that we're doing this episode now after we met, you know, in Belfast and we kind of know each other uh, because, you know, before Belfast, you were a Facebook picture, you know, a voice, but now you're also Harry in 3D. <laughs> exactly. We did meet in, in Belfast at, at IATEFL. Um, it was very, it was great, actually. It was one of my favorite of all of the meetings I had there because others, you know, I, I was only there for about 26 hours in total in Belfast because I had other things that I, I had to I be um, dealing with. Um, and it was really great because we decided that we, you know, we'd try and meet. And then in the end, it was literally the last sort of five minutes of, of, of our stay there. We kind of walked together away, didn't we? As I went off to the bus and you went off as well. And it was, uh, it was just really pleasant to, to have that kind of, it was about a 10, 15 minute walk down the road, just, just, talking about stuff no pressure exactly you know at the end of the conference both quite relaxed so yeah it was really nice it was really uh, great to walk these blocks with you for sure and we'd, we'd both done our we'd both done our talks and and everything had had gone nicely I, I think everything had gone nicely I mean according to your blog it had gone nicely um yeah, as, it as I read your better, but yeah it went okay <laughs> yeah things that's the thing things can can always go a bit better can't they you know you always think afterwards ah you know i always leave the you know whenever i do a session i always leave with an amazing buzz but then i think back and i think hmm maybe i should have said that differently maybe that should have gone there and you know exactly it's ready for next time i guess 
Yeah, that's not bad, you know. It's called reflection. It's 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 also great to do that. It's being professional, you know, so thinking about how it went and how you can improve it next time. It's it's natural to do that, natural process, I think. Exactly. So um I learned quite recently that you're you you came to the Tefl game a bit later than than I'm not going to say traditionally because people come to the Tefl game all sorts of times. Um, but you came to the Tefl game later than I knew. Anyway, um, <laughs> you you discovered Tefl as it were in your thirties. You mentioned uh, exactly. It was 2014, so I was like I don't remember 32 and a half, maybe <laughs> to be precise. I still uh, so... can't believe it. Yeah, but I can't believe it either. But um, previously, I was working in hospitality, shipping, was looking for that something, you know, that job that would make me happy because I wasn't feeling really fulfilled. So, yeah, I heard about uh, teaching abroad. I had a C2, and, but I never thought that I can teach. I said, actually, I told my, my boyfriend back at the time, uh, just because I have a C2 with distinction doesn't mean I can teach, you know, because he was the one who told me, why don't you consider, you know, a career teaching English? I said, okay, I heard uh, about the CELTA. I said, I'll do the CELTA. If I'm any good, you know, I'll become a teacher. And uh, that was when I actually realized I loved this thing and this is what I want to do. Uh, and then after that, I just, I had to, to, to study. I had to take courses because I didn't have a degree in language teaching. So I really had to, I mean, Delta wasn't enough. Even Delta wasn't enough at some point. I told you in Tarragona, some people didn't even know, you know, what Delta is. And I was getting paid 13 euros an hour uh, up until a couple of years ago. So I was accepted onto the, the Matli with, uh, because I had the Delta and now in a couple of years, I'll finally have also a degree in language teaching. So that's the reason it, why. <laughs> so you like, you are a lot better qualified than a huge number of teachers out there um, with your qualifications, with, with your C2 with distinction. Now I'll tell you what, if I did the C2 in English, I would not get a distinction. If uh, I did it in Greek, exam you know, is I would. really hard. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. In Greece, you know, we have this system. It's that I studied for nine years before I, I took the C2. It's quite typical in Greece. So you start when you're eight. By the time you finish school, you have your C2. And they have this grammar approach, you know, traditional military training, like study hard, do 100 activities for homework. So it's a long process. It takes a lot of time. And we, we really mostly focus on these aspects of teaching, like, uh, sorry, of uh, uh, the language, like grammar, vocabulary, exercises, syntax. So at some point, after nine years, you're ready, you know, trust me. <laughs> you're trained to actually. Nine years. Yeah. That's, that's a, a really, really long time. It's a time. long time, yeah. Oof. But the thing is, like, we say that, but it's funny because here in here in spain you know people people will go to language academies and so on and so forth from the age of sort of five mm -hmm. um and then when they get to 16 there may be a b1 level um I, know. I remember and well oh yeah well you of course you you taught her didn't you so um it's 
it's really bizarre when you say for, for nine years and, and in that time you got to a C2. Now I've been, I've been in Spain, living in Spain for 12 years now and I'm nowhere near a C2. Like I'm a comfortable C1, mm -hmm. very comfortable, but I don't do any studying whatsoever. Exactly. So like I, my, my writing is awful. I write like a, a drunk seven-year-old. Now, I don't think seven-year-olds should be getting drunk, but I'm just saying I'm trying to emphasise how bad my writing in Spanish really is. I can imagine, yeah. But, I, you know, I think it just speeds up the process. I mean, when you live in a country, uh, personally, when I start, when I moved to Spain, I already spoke French and Italian, so I really picked up, you know, Spanish. I didn't have to go to school. I didn't really study. I didn't... I, I read a couple of... Uh, I, I think I bought a grammar book, never really, you know, uh, completed it or anything, but... My knowledge of French and Italian really helped me, and I just picked it up. I didn't have to study formally, but if I, if I had done that as well and studied, I would have, you know, become better, because the combination of this uh, exposure and this conscious study it speeds things up a bit. I think, you know. So maybe if you took a course, maybe you'd be C two by now. I maybe don't know. <laughs> you're you're also a, you're also a really good student. Like from what I can gather, you. It's something you clearly have a passion for. You love learning. That's true. That's true. I mean, I think that I'm, yeah, more of a student, <laughs> actually, than anything else at the moment. I've been studying all my life. I always want to learn something new, even, you know, that's a language or that's a skill, if that's cooking or baking or, uh, and especially with, um, with teaching, I, I completely fell in love. I mean, I, I can't get enough of VLT books and articles. I know I sound like a geek, but it's so interesting to read all these things, you know, different books, different uh, things every day because I'm doing different assignments. You know, when you do Delta, you focus on, on um, skills and systems. And I studied, for example, listening and then decoding. And then I, I realized I can finally help my students with listening because I felt helpless and useless before that, right? So I was fascinated because I remember my students really suffering, really, you know, struggling with listening. And I thought, well, I can help you go home, watch some films, you know, <laughs> listen to some songs. I, I, I kept saying that. But honestly, after I did Delta and I had these wonderful tutors as well, uh, Sean Sweeney and Emma Midflin, when there was still IH Barcelona, and they helped me with, you know, they gave me all these great books and, and articles to read about decoding and how teaching pronunciation, you know, as well can help uh, students improve their listening skills. Because I wasn't teaching pronunciation, you know, I was just, I was modeling and I thought that's it. You know, you model a new word, they repeat and that's it. So when you study, I guess, and you, you, you start to think about why am I not doing this, you know, well enough? Is there anything else I can do? And then you ask yourself these questions and you start reading and you realize that you can actually teach listening, right? That was a, an aha moment. What's it called? I would say Eureka, but I won't go Greek on you. So light bulb moment. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I, th I think Eureka works in, in all languages now. It's been stolen yeah. by most languages. So exactly. uh, sorry, borrowed, acquired. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so I don't want to be I don't want to be a British person talking about stealing things from the Greeks because I know oh, we have yeah, a history of doing that. I definitely don't want to be the Greek so. person saying that everything you know is taken <laughs> from the Greeks. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, hands up, the British Museum definitely have done that, not only to the Greeks, to many other people as well. Um, 
but you know um that's just that so yeah it's it's really I, I really love to see that with it's it's a very common theme within ELT um within teaching in general actually this this constant kind of improvement this constant learning and and it's something I I really love love doing it's one of the big things I love that's that's kind of come out of the the pandemic the amount of training there is available the amount of people that have now gone online and courses that have become available and stuff like that i love it for me but i also love it for other teachers as well because there's like there's affordable training out there now and you know a lot of the the courses that 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 we've done that that that, that you've done are incredibly expensive to do and like it's and if you end up after that being paid 13 euros an hour suddenly it's like was it worth it? Like, was it was it like all of that hard work, all of that money? Obviously, in the end, it is worth it. You have that feeling of success. But I don't know, it's teachers aren't paid a lot. So it's hard to kind of get these these, these things to study and such. So I really like that there are many more opportunities for for students out there as teachers to become students out there. Absolutely. And I think I remember uh, the Cambridge train the trainer course. Uh, I think you could only do it face to face like a couple of years ago or before the pandemic. It was only after the pandemic that they actually made it possible, you know, to attend and, and do the course online, fully online, because I've been trying to get there, uh, get a place and it was impossible. So it was like immediately after the pandemic, I think that I, I applied for it and I did it. And it was a great course, you know, it was like, it really helped me understand some things because I had completely different <laughs> ideas of what teacher training is. So it was, you know, an initial, it was kind of a shock at first, uh, but then I found it, you know, that I found that it really made sense. And then after that, uh, I did the trainer development module on the uh, Nile MA, which is again, like the next step, let's say, for teacher trainers. And I basically entered there with zero experience, you know, as a, as a teacher trainer. So I was kind of, Ooh, all my, my classmates, you know, have 10, 20 years of experience. On the one hand, great, I'm going to learn from them. On the other, it's, it might be a little, you know, too much, uh, a little bit overwhelming, maybe difficult. But I really love that course. I have to say that this tutor, Martin Clark, is also an amazing, a wonderful tutor. Uh, and I really enjoyed it and, and learned a lot from him. Um, and now I'm practicing a lot of these things, you know, I'm, I, I, I remember him and how he taught us and I, I find myself, you know, when I'm uh, uh, running teacher training sessions, kind of not being like Martin, but, you know, trying to be like him, trying to, to use the techniques that he taught us and the things that he was telling us and the questions that he asked us. You know. it, is, it is remarkable as a teacher trainer. So my teacher training journey started ooh, back in, I think, 2012. So... A fair, a fair old 20s. time ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, in, in my twenties, actually, yeah. Um, but it, it didn't start in a very prepared way. It started in a. I was working in a in a small language academy, um, a small independent language academy, and the owner of the language academy really liked the way I I taught, and she was like, "I really like how you teach. Do a training session." And I was like, "Huh." Mm. So do a training <laughs> session about, you know, what you do. And I was like, what, me, do a training session? And she's like, yeah, do it. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. And then I applied to, to speak at a conference I'd been at the year before, um, Athea, which is here in, in Andalusia. 
um, which Michelle Worgan, who just entered, um, she uh, she will be speaking there this year as well. Oh, great. Uh, Hi, Michelle. <laughs> which is great news. Um, and, uh, and oh, Teresa from South Dakota, USA said hello. Hi, so Teresa. Hi there, Teresa. Um, thanks for joining us. So, yeah, I kind of was thrown into it as, I didn't have any idea on how to be a teacher trainer and the way I kind of went about it for the first year or two was it was just me showing my classroom ideas you know Mm. it was me going up there and the things that I was doing in class I was just going out and I like I still do like all of my courses all of my sessions to have loads of practical ideas because if I go to a conference what I want are basically two weeks of lesson plans done for me with loads of ideas ready and and I remember seeing Chris Rowland. Mm. Now, I don't know if you've seen Chris Rowland, but he is like a Tefl wizard. Like, he is do. amazing. <laughs> He's based here in Seville as well. So I, I got the chance to see him quite a lot. And I worked with him for a while. And I just sort of looked and thought, that's, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be like. I want to be able to go into a session and other teachers be like, wow, that's brilliant. I love that. So in terms of teacher training, that's kind of how that started. And, and I was... The flip side to, to you, so when you did your, your training course, it was new to you and you were learning all these new things. And for me, I've had to, with all the training courses I've done, I've had to kind of not unlearn things, but adapt to the way that I do my training. And, you know, it's not just about going in there and making people laugh for a few minutes. Even unlearn is a good word, I, I think. Well, Even yeah. Even unlearn. Yeah, there yeah, there are some things. and Relearn, and, uh, unlearn. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Michelle's just said Chris is the best. He, he absolutely is. <laughs> um, I did a course with, with Pearson not long ago, um, and it was about, you know, being a trainer. Um, mm. And I just learned so much from it. And, you know, I went into it with a decent knowledge, and it was. it's always nice to go there with, like, good ideas, but so many new ideas and learning how to give, like, good feedback that was something I'd never really worked on properly. And like, I could give feedback to my students easily enough, but it was far too often it was this kind of bland, not particularly useful feedback. And there's, I often would find myself falling into that thing in the classroom of, oh, good, well done, great, Pepe, excellent. And just useless feedback. There you go, have some useless feedback that you'll be happy with for a few minutes. And it's the same with teacher training. It doesn't like... You can't just say, oh, that's a good idea, Rachel. Move on to the next thing. You know, it needs to be structured. So I learned a lot about that through these these other courses. I like what you said earlier that you, when you were asked to kind of work as a teacher trainer, you were the teacher and you, you were promoted to a trainer in the same school, you, you showed other people what to do, right? Um, kind of show them maybe some activities or strategies. And it's interesting because um, I, I read about four types let's say or processes i don't know how to call them uh maybe processes yeah um feeding leading showing and throwing that's what martin taught us in the very first month let's say so it makes you ask yourself what am i what is the trainer's role right what should i do am i the person feeding like input providing input telling people what to do lecturing am i leading them am i guiding them you know to knowledge and awareness and my showing, as you said, maybe, you know, modeling, they observe me and they understand what they need to do. And my throwing, throwing is like the task based of teaching, like, okay, here's what you need to do. Do it, do it first, reflect later, let's say, right? So 
or a combination of all these, uh, all these processes? And where do you start and where do you finish? Some of the questions that he, uh, he had us ask ourselves. What do you think is a trainer? Is it the trainer an expert? Is it a facilitator? Someone who gives feedback or just, what is it to you? What do you think? What's the role? To of me, I like, yeah, I like the idea of a, of a facilitator. Oh, I apologize. My dog wants to say hello to everybody <laughs> at the moment there. So it, it was her birthday on Monday. Know, so she's yeah, just coming in and showing off. So Estrella, please be quiet. Everybody knows it's your birthday. Okay. <laughs> everybody knows. Um, I'm guessing that my wife's probably just left the house. Um, for me, I think a facilitator is like, is the best way to describe it, to, to kind of help the, the, the learning process. But you, you need to have all of those different aspects, this, this feeding, showing, throwing, uh, I'm going to say glowing, but because <laughs> it sounds nice, um, and leading. I think you need to have like aspects of all of those in your sessions. And I know that certainly with my, if it's like a, a conference session or a webinar session, if it's just a sort of, you know, a one-off thing, there's quite a lot of, of showing um, and you try and give us, show as many ideas as possible in a shorter space of time as possible. When it's over a longer period of time, when you've got like involved in observations and feedback and, and you know, you're, you're more of a kind of mentor role, you need to add these, these aspects to it as well. Um, but yeah, for me, when I go to a conference and any kind of conference, to be honest, I like to have some practical ideas. And I know that, I used to go out there and my training sessions would just be literally 10, 15 practical ideas for your classroom. Bam, there you go. Take them away. Have a handout, have a PowerPoint. Remember all this. And I did some jokes as well. But like with recent ones, I think there needs to also be some theory behind it as well. You know, so maybe not 10 or 15 ideas, maybe five or six ideas, but also you know, how I came to those ideas and when I use those ideas and not just, here's a bunch of games. Yeah, it's a good idea because you can also, it could be like a break between, you know, these stages, one activity after another can be a little too much. So a break maybe for them, maybe to think uh, of what the activity, what's the purpose of the activity or how would they call it? You know, sometimes when we name something, we remember it more easily. So maybe they can find a name for the activity, the purpose, or maybe they could comment on the approach. What do you think this approach is? Is it like, you know, is it inductive? Is it like guiding the student to discover or is it? So a kind of, yeah, a break between the activities, get them reflecting on, you know, what it is, what it does, how can they adapt it? Maybe they could even adapt it, you know? So why not even talk about that? It could work, like fewer activities, but with some reflection time in between. Yeah. I have to give a big shout out to Michelle here because I went to her talk at IATF. Obviously, I didn't go to yours. I wasn't there yet. So sorry about <laughs> it's that. It's OK, I know. But her, her talk for me had the perfect balance of because I didn't really know much about what she was talking about. I knew bits and pieces. You know, I'd done my own kind of, you know, I'd done a bit of reading here and there, but I didn't know much. and. And the way she explained the different things we were going to talk about, and then we went into looking at how we would approach a task. You know, it, it was a really nice way of, of, of going into a session. It wasn't just her saying, 
you know, these are different neurodivergent students and these are ways of approaching it. It was, exactly. these are the different types of neurodivergent students. Here are some of the ways that they have these differences. Here's an activity. What would you do? How would you approach <coughs> that? And, and I really enjoyed that, that kind of, that style of talk because it also gave me a chance to have a chat with the people next to me and, and going back into the face-to-face environment. It, I found that really, really useful. Yeah, actually, I gave a talk, but I, my mentor, Fiona, told me to ask the audience like a short question five minutes before the end, maybe, and it worked really well. If I present again, I would, yeah, do a workshop rather than a talk because it can be boring to just talk to people and they're listening. So, you know, these five minutes where they had to interact with each other, the room was buzzing. They were so happy that, you know, they wouldn't have to listen to me. So I think it, yeah, it's much better you know, when you run a, wor- a workshop, the talk can be a little, especially at IATEFL, when there's one talk after another, you know, there's too much input. <laughs> you, your head I think is one of the big, explode. Yeah, I think one of the big issues as well with IATEFL is it came right after all of these webinars. You know, and a webinar, even if you have a workshop webinar, you're getting people to answer you in the chat, or maybe you squeeze in a breakout room, but that's pretty rare. So like it came off the back of that. So suddenly like my talk was a workshop, but there wasn't really enough working in it. There was like maybe a minute here or a minute there. And I'd just kind of gone into webinar mode and I'd mm. done two years of webinars. You know, I'd been training for for sort of eight years before the pandemic, but then I'd had two years of, you know, web, it was webinar after webinar, you know, I was, I was applying for every conference I could because I could go to them. And also, you know, various publishers were asking me to do talks about this, that and the other. So I was there doing these webinars and they were 45 minutes and I was using the chat box and that was it. So suddenly when I got in front of this room, it's this whole new dynamic all over again. And I was just like, oh, I used to do workshops where people would like talk to each other for ages. They come up with those ideas. But I hadn't allowed quite enough time for it because in a webinar they're doing it while you're talking. Yeah. But in a in a face to face conference you can't talk while they're talking, so you have exactly. to let them do it. I'm even I don't know I've I haven't really done any webinars. I kind of avoid them. I, we we chatted on LinkedIn uh, some months ago, and I told you I'm I'm hiding behind my blog, right? Because I. I, there's so much I'm passionate about and I want to talk about, but I was always worried that um, people would expect too much and perhaps would be disappointed if I decided to do a webinar about something, right? So I, it was, I've been also asked by some kind people and I have avoided it and I'm sorry <laughs> about that. Uh, it's a little bit of imposter syndrome, a little bit of, you know, I want to make sure that I uh, know what I'm talking about and I don't disappoint people. Uh, so I'm kind of, yeah, worried about that. Even with IATEFL, I was, I must admit that I was really stressed because I, you know, uh, I thought that some might say, wow, is this what you want the scholarship for? <laughs> you know, typical imposter syndrome. Uh, so I was, I was happy for a that. second. <laughs> I got it. And then really, really nervous. Uh, but I, you know, I know this is not a good thing because our community is also supportive and not, not really judgmental and anything, but uh, it's something I have to deal with myself. 
Um, so yeah, maybe I'll try more in the future <laughs> uh, and take more chances and, you know, share what it, whatever it is I've learned from my assignments, uh, you know, my studies, not as an expert. I, I'm really relieved that I don't call myself that because at first I thought, if you want to be a teacher trainer, you really have to be an expert on something. And I thought I'll never be an expert on something, so I'll never work as a teacher trainer. But now, having read a couple of books, I really felt relieved that some authors also say, you know, the trainer doesn't have to be an expert, right? The trainer is like an experienced colleague. You're there to talk with the people, the participants in the room, to get their views as well. You're not really transferring something that they're going to, to passively download. They will also bring something from their own experience. You will ask each other questions. And in the end of a session, I always feel I'm also learning from my trainees at the moment. I'm, I'm teaching some... Um, uh, students from Egypt. I'm uh, on, um, working for Notting Hill College and I basically have uh, student teachers from Egypt and at the end of every session I feel, you know, that was a great session. We talked about so many different things. We exchanged, you know, different ideas and I've also learned to kind of hold back, you know, if I have any disagreement, if I feel strongly about something that a teacher says, I, I'm, I'm, I've learned to, you know, not express it immediately hold that thought, think about it, listen to the person, and then get people, the people to interact from like the group discourse, not just make it about me and what I have to say as the expert, right? So it's relieving also to, to have this perspective, to see, you know, yourself as a experienced colleague, but not an expert. Can you hear me? So, um, yeah, this was one of the things that I've learned on the course. It was really an amazing course. And another thing that I uh, that was fascinating was uh, to study supportive uh, trainer talk to understand the features of, uh, uh, you know, just like teacher talk, there is also trainer talk and uh, uh, trainers also have to be supportive in the way that they speak to trainees. And there are all different kinds of elements, different uh, features, let's say, that I found can, can really help in training. Um, and I also wrote this assignment that you mentioned earlier, which was published in the Teacher Trainer Journal. So, um, for example, um, I used to interfere, interfere, let me uh, change the word. I used to praise too much. You mentioned you praise too much, like you said, yeah, that's a great answer, you know, wow, amazing, well done. If I agreed or disagreed, or I just, um, uh, I wanted to encourage people, you know, to keep talking, I would praise them. And then I realized that this was kind of blocking the discussion. It was blocking the flow. I mean, I meant well, I wanted to praise them and encourage them. But um, the fact that I was actually saying something, you know, stopped the conversation, stopped the discussion. Whereas I realized, for example, I could have just not say anything and perhaps uh, hand over to the audience, to the, to the people in the room, the group, right? So, so this is one opinion. What do the rest of you think? Or what do you have to say about that? Or how would you change it? Or, uh, you know, so I learned that I should be doing that more. And I also learned, for example, that summarizing uh, the way I was doing it wasn't really effective because I was trying to mm -hmm. summarize like all the points, you know, that everyone made so as to show them, you know, that the things that you say are important and it's also part, it becomes part of the content of the session. But I was pretty much repeating everything 
whereas Martin taught us that we have to select what we, you know, the uh, the points that we summarize, the points that we we mentioned so that we're getting somewhere. We're kind of weaving rather than just repeating all the points, putting things together in order, you know, to make a conclusion maybe at the end of a stage uh, or even at the end of the session. Is everything okay over there? <laughs> yeah, absolutely fine. Um, I had a few issues with my microphone. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. I can Good hear news. you. Um, sorry, my, my microphone decided it wanted to stop working, which was absolutely wonderful of it. <laughs> it's okay, I can keep talking. <laughs> oh, um, so I decided that instead of... Uh, in Uh-oh. I don't know if anyone can hear me, uh, but I can keep talking anyway. Um, yeah, and I, we were talking about training. We can even uh, talk about teaching. Um, and we can talk about some of the Eureka moments that we mentioned earlier. Um, I don't know if those of you who are here, if you're listening right now or Harry, you can think about your Eureka moments. Mine were, for example, when I was doing module one and I remember it was with Sue Swift, a great tutor. Uh, and there was a chapter on QTT, quality teacher talk. And it was the first time that I was ever seeing this, uh, this uh, acronym. I knew TTT, I knew that teacher talking time. Hey, Rachel. Hi, are you there? <laughs> Hello. Hi, can you hear me? Oh, it's, I'm so sorry. It's being an absolute nightmare. It's, it's muting me. It's unmuting me. It's taking me all around the houses. Can we get some feedback from anyone listening, if they can hear us or not? <laughs> if I'm just talking to the neighbors here. Uh, can, can you hear me? Oh. There's a lot of echo, Harry. Yeah, there's a lot of echo. My, it's uh, it's these darn oh, headphones again. Um, so I'm trying to get those to connect and not be muted at the same time, which is uh, seeming to be the I issue. I see. Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. What should I do? Okay. <laughs> okay. They can hear me, says Michelle. So I can, can they, go on until they me? fix it. I can hear you, Harry. I don't know if the others can hear you. Okay. I, I hope they can because this is... This has been super fun. Um, oh, they say there they can we go, hear you brilliant. Now. now I'm gonna I'm gonna give <laughs> Rachel um, a two minute break because she's been fantastic <laughs> holding down the fort there, um, and I'm taking my hat off to you right now. And in the meantime, I'm just gonna remind everyone that uh, we're the Slack group, are a leading provider of specialist education and care. Uh, they need people to help them achieve even more. Uh, with the Slack, you'll be given the resources and support you need offered a clear path to career progression and rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. Witherslack currently has some fantastic career opportunities available to apply for. Check out www.witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. And there we go, I'm back again. Are you there, Rachel? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> what should I do? Excellent news. <laughs> Well, I have to say, Rachel, you were an absolute superstar. I've never, I've had issues at the start before, but I've never had mid, uh, mid talk microphone just disappearing in the middle of one of your sentences. I was sitting there talking to you happily, and I wanted to ask you about your IATEFL scholarship. In fact, I did ask you about your <laughs> IATEFL scholarship two or three times before suddenly I disappeared. And do you know what? You mentioned there 
you know, you've had a, a, a you've had this opportunity to to go on on um, webinars and stuff like that, and you felt nervous by it. I tell you what, what you just did now on live radio, pulling out about six or seven minutes of something just out of nowhere, that was brilliant. <laughs> I, I, that was absolutely fantastic. You, you, you absolutely saved the show. Um, <laughs> well, the I, I don't think now. anyone even noticed. <laughs> I don't think anyone even noticed until I was like, "Can you hear me?" <laughs> it's all good. We made it. <laughs> exactly. We absolutely did. Um, and you did get an IATEPL scholarship, which is brilliant. Um, tell us about that. How did you go about? Well, how did you hear about it? And then, how long did it take you to prepare the whole thing? So I was uh, moderating, it was the, uh, uh, when was it? Yeah, last summer, the online conference, I was one of the volunteer moderators. So I heard about the, uh, about the scholarships and everything. And I knew there was a deadline and I was just, I was uh, thinking about submitting. I wasn't sure until the very last day, you know, I decided, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to apply for it. You never know. I, but I had no idea. So I, I was like, okay, what should I, you know, submit? What kind of proposal? And then I had to look at my blog and I said, I don't have time. You know, I'm just going to take something from my blog and I'm just going to reshape it, change it, turn it into a framework maybe or something, you know. Uh, and that's what I did. I had written a lesson plan, which was the Cobra Kai one based on the, the Netflix show. And I really liked that idea. So I worked with it and I created this framework and then I, I edited it a little bit and I submitted the, the proposal and actually, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was accepted. And I, I couldn't really believe it when I saw the email because I didn't think it would be that good. Uh, but yeah, and as I said, the first minute I was quite happy and then I was all nervous about it. But in the end it went okay, I guess. Yeah, that's uh, well. I didn't get to see it, but I, I only heard good things. So um, it, it must have gone well anyway. Uh, so that was like quite a big, big moment, I imagine. I was um, I was asked to speak to IATEPL, and for me, it was suddenly like, I don't know. It was, I was incredibly excited when it when it came about. <laughs> it was, you know, I, I've never been to IATEPL. As you know, I've, I've been teaching since yeah, it was my first time 2007. And, and yeah, it's, it was my first time there, my first opportunity, because it's, it's again, it's like, you know, a lot of things we mentioned with training courses earlier, they're, they're not necessarily accessible to everyone. IATEFL can be a difficult one to get to, you know, you have to travel to England or, or the UK, sorry, you have to stay in the UK, and then the, it's not particularly cheap to become a member and stuff. So, so I'd never had the chance, and then suddenly this year I got the chance. I felt a bit like I'd won the lottery. Mm. <laughs> and I, I was just I was so happy to be there and like with it coming after the pandemic I just I was very much like I don't know I was, I was overawed by the whole exactly. situation you know it, it, was, it was it was so much um it was just so I hope moving. that IATEPL goes hybrid um I hope it goes hybrid too Bavna um I agree it was really nice. Yeah, the highlight for, for sure, for even for me, was meeting all the people in the flesh. I really wanted to see everyone face to face. It was, it's been a lonely couple of years as well for everyone. So it was, it was really great. Of course, the sessions and everything. But for me, the best thing was actually meeting, you know, all these people uh, after chatting for years and, and, and Zooming and, and all that, you know, the real people. It really made a difference. Yes, it really did. Now, really you mentioned it. earlier... Mm -hmm. that you you speak 
French. You said you speak, uh, did you say Italian? That helps you learn Spanish. So you have French, Italian. Obviously, you speak Greek. You I quite clearly French. speak English. I, I studied French. I wouldn't say that I speak French right now. If I met a French person, I'm not sure I'd be able to speak. But I can read at B1 level. And uh, Italian, yeah, I'm, I'm more confident uh, because I've interacted with a lot of Italians. Uh, I'm kind of B2. And, and now you're in Germany. How's your German? No, it's zero. I mean, I uh, I don't think I'll ever learn that language. I, I tried a couple of years ago when I was in I was based in Graz in Austria. Uh, I finished the A2 course. Uh, the teacher told me that I would pass the A2 exam if I took it, but I never did. And I then after you know I left Austria and I'm here. I don't remember a single thing. I mean, and I don't have unfortunately I don't have time. I know how it sounds to live in a country and not even make the effort to learn or speak the language, but I honestly don't have the time or mental space to do that right now. Uh, I find German well, yeah, really you've hard. Had a, yeah, you've all, you've had a, a fairly roller coaster kind of. Uh, seven or eight months haven't you it's, it's been, yeah that too <laughs> it's been pretty mad um everything that, that's happened with with you so yeah I, I can imagine as well you know taking up a new language especially as you you work online now don't you you work so you don't exactly work. i don't need german of course it would improve the quality you know of living here because when you cannot communicate and interact with the locals it's it's difficult but i i don't need it at the moment so I can work online, uh, and I, I guess it made me feel about it. Made me think about um, how important an attitude is, you know, when learning a language. Imagine a, a student who really doesn't want to to learn that language or speak that language, or uh, you know, uh, doesn't want to produce this sound. It feels so alien. That's how I feel with German. I, 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 I whenever I speak, I, I say a sentence or a word. I, I feel so strange. It's so against everything, you know, I am and who and what I know and then my personality. So uh, I, it made me think about how difficult it is when students have that attitude when you, when they're learning a language, even in our case, English, because we're teachers of English, right? Attitude. Yeah, really important. Oh, it's so important. It really is, and and that for me is was one of the big things about about learning Spanish. Now, when I arrived here back in the heady days of of twenty ten, um, I got here and you know I was working in an English academy with a bunch of other uh, English speaking people, and I'm I'm not a big one for like going out and hanging out with people. I'm more of a I like to sit at home and you know do my own thing um plan my lessons um that's how exciting i am um this was even before netflix um but then uh, so i i didn't really have this kind of push to go and learn spanish i wanted to do it because i didn't want to be the the type of expat who i don't want to say expat, exactly. either, the type of immigrant sorry the type of immigrant who goes to another country and you know it is that expat attitude of i'm you know i'm english but i'm living in another country but i can do it i speak in english is fine um i'm not saying you have that attitude in germany by the way you know you speak like eight thousand languages so you know i'm not <laughs> suggesting that but but when i got to spain i i didn't really have the the incentive and um everybody that i hung around with spoke in english or they had a high level yeah, of english and wanted true. to practice their english and I didn't really have a huge motivation until I got like, I got sick when I was I was here and I had to go to the hospital for three weeks. And suddenly, oh. 
I had a, an instant, almost instant motivation to learn Spanish. And those in those three weeks, I'm pretty sure I went from about A1 to damn near B2. Wow. <laughs> like, it was well, maybe not B2, but I went from A1 to certainly pushing B1 with my speaking because suddenly I I had to actually learn and I just yeah. applied everything that like I'd heard around me and you know I really focused my attentions in that moment and and as soon as I had the attitude change it wasn't even you know as I mentioned earlier about studying it was just about making the effort to to listen in and really try and 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 immerse myself in it and and if you don't have that need or exactly. all, all, all the time or the kind of the, the ganas, as we'd say in Spanish, the, mm. the desire to do it, then you're, just, you're not going to be able to learn a language. You cannot force yourself to want to do something. Yeah, it's, that's, it's really difficult. I mean, uh, and people here in Fordsheim, they don't really speak English. Maybe in Stuttgart, which is like a more international city, you know, even bigger. Yeah, if, I might not even need uh, German there. We might move there anyway. We're, we're moving uh, this month. We're looking for flats there. So hopefully we'll find something. And uh, because it hasn't been really easy. I mean, living here hasn't been easy. It's a small place. Uh, it's not too international and, and there's not much to do. And um, yeah, it's been weird and lonely. So hopefully in, a, uh, in Stuttgart or another area nearby would be better. Uh, so yeah, maybe there I won't even feel like an alien because I don't speak German. But here I, I definitely feel like, you know, like an alien. Like I'm, <laughs> uh, they, when I ask people if they speak English, they look at me really judgmentally, you know, what do you mean? Do you don't speak German? So it's kind of unforgivable here. It's not like in Spain where actually, you know, I never felt like that in Spain, even if I didn't speak much Spanish in the beginning. So that's another thing that um, we're facing here, unfortunately. Um, but yeah. People are really open in Spain, aren't they? With the, you know, you, you, if you try two words, then they'll be happy with that. And, you know, they'll welcome you with open arms, which is, it's a really nice, a really nice attitude. I, I really like the, uh, the kind it of is exactly friendliness. Like I think yeah. because they're so used to people not speaking Spanish that when some, when you even try two or three words, suddenly, you know, you're wonderful. Yeah, it's true. I'm in Spain every day. Let's not go there. <laughs> it's horrible. It's horrible, Rachel. I'm sitting here in front of a fan, absolutely drenched in sweat. It, it's not nice. Well, so am I. I you know, and it's Germany. Well, there, you there you go. I imagine Michelle's pretty warm right now as well. She's just she's about an hour down the road from me, so um, I can imagine. I can't imagine she's particularly chilly right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so that's um, so Germany at the moment is 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 not particularly awesome for you by by the sound of it. Uh, no, 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 I wouldn't call it awesome. But you know, as I said, it's it's a a good thing that um I can work online at the moment. Uh, I don't have to find work here locally. Uh, I work with a German company. Uh, and I teach a couple of business English courses, but that's just two or three hours a week. I'm basically working online uh, as a trainer, as I said, with Notting Hill College. And also I was uh, freelancing for Language Ed uh, for a couple of months earlier, doing this, um, uh, giving uh, Italian teachers feedback on their lesson plans for their oral exam, which was really great. 
and uh, teaching some students from Spain. You know, some students were loyal. They don't want another teacher. I've had them for like three years mm -hmm. or something. So, uh, and hopefully in the future, I'm, I'm trying to get involved, more involved in teacher training, CELTA or DELTA training, because this is what I really want to do. And now that it's possible to do it online, uh, you know, I'm trying to get there. It's not easy, but well, I'll, I'll keep trying. No, it isn't an easy, <laughs> isn't easy. You mentioned that it was your kind of, that was yeah. like one of your big goals to, to be sort of a Delta or a Delta trainer. Now, I'm sh I think if there's anyone that can do it out there, if that's what you've set your mind to doing, I'm pretty sure if there's anyone out there that can do it, it's, it's going to be you. Um, you know, that, that kind of work ethic that you have is absolutely incredible. And you're, the, I don't know, the, the, the desire to keep studying and keep growing, it's, ab it's absolutely brilliant. Um, I do have a question about your blog. Now, I would like to point out now, okay. the, the show, today's show uh -huh. is titled The Teffel Zone. <laughs> now, also happens to be the title of your blog. I would like to point out to everyone, it isn't a sponsored show, and Rachel didn't say to me, can we call the show that <laughs> so we can promote my blog? And I was like, no, it's not that. It was completely my choice because we're doing the Twilight Show and her blog's called The Teffel Zone. And today we're talking about lots of different things. So I wanted to kind of give it a nice, let's kind of encompass everything. So I was like, let's use the blog title. It isn't because Rachel wanted to sponsor the show. She absolutely <laughs> didn't. But she does write a blog. Um, it is called the Pebble Zone, and 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 how did how did you get into blog writing? What was your kind of motivation, and, and how can others follow your lead? Well, I think that when I started teaching, I uh, I was in Tarifa in Spain, and um, I was teaching at a small academy, uh, but we didn't really have a, a lot. We didn't spend a lot of time together, like um, you know. After we finished classes, we'd usually go out, maybe have some social events. But I felt like I needed to have much more of this CPD, you know, chats, like talk about teaching. It was my first year. I, I really didn't know if I was doing things, you know, properly. I needed advice. I felt like I, I was, you know, I needed 24-hour support. I was feeling really, you know, I, I wanted, as I said, I also started late. So maybe I was kind of in a hurry to catch up or something. So I started reading a lot of blogs, you know, I, I didn't really go out of the house. <laughs> I spent all my weekends reading blogs, you know, hungry for ideas, uh, videos, uh, you know. Um, and they really, there were some bloggers like uh, Cristina Cabal, for example, who's quite big in Spain, right? Her blog was so helpful. There were so many lesson plans and ideas, you know, which I found useful uh, when I started teaching. So I started becoming obsessed with blogs and I realized that, you know, it is a community and, and you, you have so many free resources there. Um, so after a couple of years, I decided to do the same thing, give something back. I mean, I'd, God knows how many ideas I'd stolen from, from different blogs and websites. Uh, basically not stolen, not them. stolen, adapted. Yeah, 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 true. So I thought, uh, well, I've come up with some stuff, you know, I've, I've created some materials, I've created some templates, I've created some, I don't know, lesson plans later on, why not share it? I mean, I can also create a digital space and I can put it all there, even, you know, as a way to record stuff and have uh, access to it whenever I want to, and also share it with anyone else. And if, 
even one person is interested, it's fine with me. You know, I don't mind. I, I wasn't looking for uh, promoting my work or, or uh, advertising anything. You know, I was. I just wanted to to give back. I wanted to to share all the things that I I had created, and maybe a couple of teachers like me who just started or and didn't have time or didn't have a lot of people to talk to about teaching. Maybe they will find some materials they can use. You know, so that's how I started it, and then I kind of. It's not really one thing, my blog, because it's like me. Unfortunately, I have too many interests. I end up doing too many things. I don't have one focus. So you don't call it a lesson plan website. You don't call it you know, a reflection or a reflective blog. It's a bit of everything, but it's me. It's, it's, it's me. It's what I do. If I have uh, an idea, I'm just going to write it there. If I read something and I have questions, I'm just going to write it there. If I... Um, but maybe I can share an assignment. I've also published, you know, some of my assignments. There are a lot of Delta candidates who might want to read them and then, you know, get some ideas. So it's a bit of everything. It's my tool for CPD. I connected also with a lot of people through the blog, and this was nice because we were kind of having this dialogue, you know, they post comments, they ask questions, and it's always interesting. I really love that part of, you know, writing a, a post, the, the after part, what happens next, if people react, what they say, what they ask, uh, that discussion, yeah. right? I think that's one of the things I really like about about your blog is it isn't just, just one thing or another, and you can really see you in it. You know, it, it's clearly, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not a bit a messy, dump, but I'm also were, but messy. It, <laughs> but yeah, you can, you can see like, I don't know, you can see your, where you're coming from and like, you know, you can kind of connect with how you're feeling with certain different things. And I, I find it a really like a nice, uh, a really personal blog. Like, it's, oh, thank even you. though it's, so sweet. It's, thank you. it's not, you know, you writing about, you know, going to the shops or whatever, but it is, you know, you can really see a lot of you in it, which is, which is why when, you know, we were speaking beforehand and I said, I thought that I, I felt like I knew you more than maybe I should. It's, it's not because I've been, you know, online stalking you or anything. It's because, you know, I've read parts <laughs> of your blog and thought, oh, yeah, it is really kind of her. Um, and it just seems very genuine. Um, oh, that's really nice. Something really hear. nice. Um, but yeah, so uh, I want to talk now, if it's okay, about pronunciation. Now, we mm -hmm. had Adam on a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> talking about pronunciation, and you mentioned very briefly about pronunciation and decoding and 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 those kind of things. Is that something that you you still focus on, or is it something that kind of now? When I got obsessed with pronunciation, it was something that suddenly was at the forefront of all of my classes. You know, every single class was like, "Wow, this is going to be about pronunciation," and we're going to do loads. And now it's kind of a I make sure that I include it in my classes, right? You know, it, it's in there. You know, beforehand, I would, you know, I'd be teaching about whatever it was, but there'd be such a huge focus on the pronunciation. Now I try and kind of include pronunciation in my classes. So I don't know, how's, how, how's the evolution of pronunciation gone with you? Yeah, even, ever since Delta LSA2, which was listening and decoding, I must say that I've punished myself for not teaching pronunciation in every lesson for uh, the first couple of years. 
And uh, I really didn't know how important it is, especially when it comes, in my opinion, when it comes to listening, when I was teaching uh, Spanish students, as I said earlier, which, and they all really struggled with listening. So what I've learned from that LSA and my, my research and all the books and articles I've read and the wonderful events I attend uh, with Pronsig is that it's, it's crucial that we actually teach pronunciation in every, every single lesson. Uh, whether that is, whether we have predetermined some goals, that's grammar, for example, right? We, we're going to teach a, a structure. We have to also focus on some elements uh, of spoken, let's say, the spoken form that may be different. Uh, for example, if why not if we're teaching going to, to also teach goma, exactly. that they might hear it that way. We, we're not telling them to say it that way, but they might hear it that way, right? Uh, and this might sound like stating the obvious, but actually a lot of students don't know that Ghana is going to. That's at least what I've, uh, I've seen from experience. So, uh, or if it's just the emergent approach, you know, you listen to some uh, words being mispronounced. If you don't want to correct your students on the spot, at least make a note of it. And uh, at the end of the lesson, also have this prawn focus, you know, uh, because uh, there is this the productive skills that will also help them be more confident that they're producing, you know, they're pronouncing words correctly or they're pronouncing sentences using this, the nice English rhythm, for example, rather than really flat. Something I'm trying to teach my husband as well, who's Italian, <laughs> although he's advanced, he finds it really hard to do. So I think it's important receptively for listening, especially, you know, communication is important. That's why people are learning a language. Uh, so I try to teach in every class. I, I do it basically. I just try to use yeah. also different approaches and different techniques. And I find that I feel more confident now after, you know, because usually teachers, we, we don't teach pronunciation because we haven't received training and we don't feel confident. Uh, mm -hmm. I remember attending a webinar by Jane Setter and she said, I think that more than 50% of teachers have no idea how to teach pronunciation because they've never really been trained. Uh, there was no workshop where they, you know, at the school or wherever they were, they, they haven't been shown how to do it. They haven't, uh, they don't uh, do any prawn CPD. They don't attend any webinars or read anything. So they basically, they don't feel confident. They don't know. So once you start, you know, reading about it, practicing, talking to, to your colleagues about it, and you feel more confident, you will feel more confident teaching pronunciation in class. It doesn't happen overnight. But it, it definitely, is so you know. intimidating, isn't it? Like yeah, the for sure. First steps, because like as a pro, when you're teaching with pron or you're thinking about teaching pron, the 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 first thing you see is the like phonemic script, and that's a whole other language. And suddenly, like when you hear about teaching pron, maybe it'll be the New English file where there'll be a couple of phonemes in there. I mentioned this with Adam the other day, and. And suddenly you'll see that and just be like, it's quite scary because you don't know what it is. Um, rather than doing that, rather than approaching it with the, it has to be the, the phonemic chart or, or whatever, then this idea of teaching pronunciation for listening, it, it's so important. And it's one that gets so dramatically overlooked by by almost everybody. Because, yeah, absolutely. You know, you think, I did I'm going to teach you how to speak. First couple of years, for sure. Yeah, and I always think, you know, we'll teach you, you know, pron is, people always think we'll teach you how to use pron so you can speak properly. But it is so vital to to look for those words like, like gonna, for example, mm -hmm. and, you know, looking for these different areas of, of connected speech that 
aren't gonna know how it sounds because they don't know how it sounds. They they know what it looks like on a piece of paper. They can read it perfectly well, but you even exactly. get that people listening to the tape scripts of something and it's been like well, that's not what I'm hearing. It doesn't sound like that. It sounds like something different. But, ah, exactly. Even words that are really similar. To give you an example, I had, uh, I'm had i writing an assignment now, and one of the uh, points I've mentioned, because it has to do with feedback on spoken error, one of my Spanish students uh, uses, uh, you know, the word inevitable in Spanish, inevitable in English. They're the same, exactly spelled the same, right? But they're not pronounced the same way. And the student can be confused because they expect it to sound like that, and it doesn't, even if it's, it has the exact same spelling, right? So yeah. words that are completely identical, and because they don't know how they sound, they might hear them in a, you know, the recording and listening and not really identify them, not recognize them, not understand the speaker when, when they're talking to a person and who says that. So it's really, really important, really important. And yeah, there's, there's also... Um... Uh, the different meanings in in words and so on and so forth when they sound slightly different and you know that wouldn't come across maybe as much when you're reading it and there's there's just so many aspects of it that i don't know are very uh very important that, that get overlooked um and this idea of pronunciation for listening and decoding it's it's is really something that i think needs to be more of a part of of traditional CPD, you know, of of something that comes immediately to teachers, not something that is that we have to discover ourselves. Well, I totally agree, and I'm 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 just gonna uh, mention Pronsig that there it's an amazing group, and I'm really lucky to to be working with them because I'm the least experienced. They're all amazing. They're researchers and specialized in pronunciation. I'm, I've learned so much from them. So there are so many events and webinars, and there's going to be a book club as well uh, for members. They can download a free copy of a book and then meet. In a, I think this one is on uh, August 27th. And there is also the October conference. There is so much that Pronsic offers. Uh, and for anyone who feels that they need help and support with teaching pronunciation, they could join, and they would really see a huge difference in the first couple of months. I think it's the right move for those who are who feel they are not getting any prone CPD and need support and, and resources and events that might be helpful. Exactly. Now, I'd like to very briefly talk about something that, um, you know, has been spoken about, did, did get a lot of traction online. Um, uh, I, I think it's, it's abundantly clear to everybody who's listening here today that um, you are incredibly well trained you're incredibly knowledgeable um you i don't know if you're a good teacher or not because i've never seen you teach but i imagine that you are a good teacher if you've become a teacher trainer and you've done all of this training and you have students that are that are sticking by you since uh, since you work with them in spain um and you know you have these these qualifications and such but you did come up against something pretty horrible recently didn't you back yeah. in November. Exactly, November 15th uh, last year was when I when I moved here in Germany, I thought that I should apply for work in larger cities like Karlsruhe and Stuttgart, because as I said, I live in Forsheim, it's a small place, not much to do here. 
And I, yeah, I didn't get any responses. And the only one that I got was a negative one was that uh, rejection without even an interview. Uh, your CV is interesting, but you're a non-native speaker, so we won't even consider you. Uh, that was basically what it said. And uh, as everyone knows, uh, because I posted it on my social media channels, asking for support. Uh, in the beginning, I was just, you know, venting. I was just... I needed people to, you know, I was just <laughs> looking for sympathy. Uh, but then I got also advice, help, ideas, and, and, and they basically helped me with, uh, they told me what I could do, what steps I could take, who to contact, and I did all that. And uh, in the end, I got them to pay. So as everyone knows, I had a lawyer, a great lawyer, Patrick Mustu, and uh, we took them to court it was an online hearing, um, and uh, they didn't take us seriously at first. They they were avoiding, they wouldn't reply to his emails. They uh, didn't even get a lawyer, and then they postponed the hearing. And then the second time, which was February 21st, uh, the judge actually heard the story and told them that uh, he believed that uh, being a native speaker is not a should not be a requirement for a language teacher. So if they wanted to bring this to court, they would lose. And so that they should pay up now. Basically, that's what happened. Uh, and, and yeah, it was, a, it, was, it was a sort of victory because, you know, you get some money and they acknowledge that it was illegal, that it was uh, wrong, it was outdated, discriminatory practice. Uh, but I'm sure that it will not stop here, unfortunately. As I said to a lot of people who said that, well done and you're brave, I said, yeah, I helped myself, I think. That's what I did. I hope that I just raised some awareness and I just hope that at some point this will stop happening because there's a lot of us, we deserve opportunities and it's a real shame if we're not given uh, the, the chance to even interview and show people what we can do, you know, and then you can reject us afterwards. Exactly. That's the thing that really, that really like gets me. Now, you know, if, if you're going to be discriminatory about the way somebody's first language, you know, number one, don't be so explicit about it. You know, <laughs> just say we're not interested in your CV if you're going to do that. Don't just openly be discriminatory. But number two, come on, like, look, let's, let's have a look at your CV for a minute. Now, any language school would be lucky to have you. Um, you know, if you if I was running a language academy and you came knocking at my door asking for a job, I'd bite your hand off. I'd be like, uh, yes, come and work here. That would be awesome. Thank you very much. But like, it's that whole this dismissal out of hand. And and as you say, you know, it might not it might not change everything instantly. And and you say you're not brave. Yes, you are for a start. Um, but it has raised awareness, and it is kind of one of those, it's a big kind of first step towards making those changes that need to be made. Now, it's very late for it to be a first step, you know, February the 21st, 2022 shouldn't have been, you know, when this was happening, this should have happened years and years ago. But, you know, this is the first time I've seen somebody stand up for, for what's right. And, you know, you may not think that, that you're brave, but I'm in incredibly proud of what you did. Um, and I know that the what we did, Harry, because this was all of us. We all taught in Lingua a lesson. It took thousands of teachers, right? We were a community. 
and it took all these teachers to teach them a lesson. I wouldn't have done anything if it were just me. I told you, I asked for help and I got it and I'm, I'm thankful for that. I think we all did this together. And now that I'm saying wow. we and I'm saying community, I'd like to stress because people distorted my words uh, on LinkedIn uh, in several posts and said, you know, well done, Rachel, non-native speakers are the best. You know, native speakers don't know how to teach English or grammar and all that. I never said these things and I keep no, I kept replying not. and telling them, no, 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 I'm so sorry. This is not what I'm saying. This is not against native speakers, right? And it's not for non-native speakers, just like Patrick said, it's for any teacher or any speaker who should be appreciated and valued for their skill. I'm not saying these stupid stereotypes that native speakers cannot teach grammar and non-native speakers cannot teach prepositions and all that. These are all silly stereotypes. So please don't distort my words. I just went against a company that treated me unfairly. That's all I did. I didn't say I have exactly. a lot of colleagues from all over the world. I don't see them as native or non-native speakers. I see them as Harry, Gina, Anna, who live in Spain, in Italy, who can help me with this or that, as I said uh, in my chat with Gina. I don't even like that term. I, I try not to use it, but it definitely it wasn't you know, a war against uh, let's call this, let's use the term native speakers. It, it was not what it is. So I'm just, no, it you know, was, I it keep was, repeating it discrimination. that. Yeah, it was discrimination and you fought against discrimination for, for something you had absolutely no control over. You know, it would be like them, somebody saying that, you know, I can't work for them because I'm bald. You know, I can't help that I'm bald. Okay, exactly. maybe if it was a hairdresser, then fair enough. But, you know, <laughs> I can't help it. You know, it's nothing I did. It's not my fault. You know, I can still study to be a good hairdresser. Just because I don't have hair doesn't mean that, you know, I can't I can't cut somebody. I'm really bad at cutting hair, by the way. That's a terrible analogy. Um, I did see a good analogy about an Italian making pizza or something like that recently. So, um, yeah, uh, I just want to say... But yeah, thank you to, to you, to your community as well for, for going out there and making a difference for people who are discriminated against, you know, for something well beyond their control. Because as I mentioned at the start of, of, of the top of this session, there's absolutely no way if I did a, a C2 exam in English that I would get a distinction. So um, yeah, your, your level of English is almost certainly higher than mine. I, I just talk a lot more nonsense, I imagine. I wouldn't get in Greek either, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I'd do very well in Greek either, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and with, with a brief pause, I'm just going to remind everybody that with the Slack group are a leading provider of specialist education and care. They need people like you to help them achieve even more. At with the Slack, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits that industry has to offer. With the Slack, currently have some fantastic career opportunities available to apply for. Check out www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. Now, we are into the final 15 minutes, uh, Rachel, and, and I promised when we, we spoke briefly beforehand that the last 15 minutes uh, are a bit, they're a bit more light. Um, I, I think we've done lots of heavy and and I have to say you've done an awful lot more heavy lifting than I have today when you <laughs> took over from all of my technical hitches which uh again I, I can't thank you enough for that that was, oh, it was my pleasure that was don't like, worry about it 
that was some like truly sound like you know when you get into a classroom and you know I don't know maybe you're substituting for another teacher or something you get in there and you've seen the teacher's lesson plans for what you're going to do that day and you get in there you open the book you say to the students okay everybody turn to page 76 and they get there they're like teacher but we did 76 last week and you're just like oh no <laughs> and it felt a bit like that that you just you know You've got into the class. It was page 76 and all the students knew it was page 76. So you were just like, okay, do you know what? We're, we're going to close our books for a minute now and we're going to go, play go, a go. game. You know? <laughs> exactly, exactly that. It just seemed like, you know, you, you took the ball by the horns and, and, and you ran with it. So, yeah, big thanks for that. So I want to know, um, on, a, on a lighter note, um, what can we do? Um, what can we do to to make TEFL more fun? TEFL more fun. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that, that's supposed to be the, the light question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I thought, you know, it was fun. The word fun is in there because I absolutely love TEFL. Like, I am I'm addicted to TEFL. Uh, I'd call myself a bit of a TEFL geek. Um, but you know, it's, it's not for everyone. Um, and I, I think it, it depends, I think it depends greatly on, on the teacher as well. Um, but yeah, I'm wondering what we can do to make TEFL in general more fun. You know, how can we make the, so let's, let's look at conferences, for example. Mm. Now we talked briefly about, um, about conferences. Now, I remember when conferences went online, but mm, they they tried to be fun. You know, so mm -hmm. I don't know if you went to any conference. Well, you did, you went to ITEVO, but they had stuff like, let's all cook together. And mm -hmm. it just felt like forced fun. Now, what would be your idea of making a conference more fun? Let's start there. I'm drawing a blank here. I don't know what to <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a few ideas. I've only now, attended a me, few as well, just one or two <laughs> conferences. I'm a TEFL baby, basically, or no, well, a teenager. So uh, I don't. I really enjoyed the lesson jams, like for example. I don't know if you heard about the lesson jams that we did a couple of years ago when the pandemic hit us and we were all, you know, isolated and alone. Uh, this was quite fun, like CBD sessions. Uh, that are basically teacher for a teacher as learners, not you know the uh, the teacher, the the trainer or the host. So uh, student-centered sessions, let's say, and everyone who attended brought an idea or a lesson plan, and they went to breakout rooms. They had six minutes to present their ideas to each other, and then they gave feedback to each other as well in, in small groups of three. Uh, this was a really nice project. Um, Stuff like that, I think that is something you can do for free and that can actually connect you with other teachers, whether that's online or face-to-face. -face. Right now, we have the possibility also to do more face-to-face -face events, maybe, you know, little communities in, in different places. You guys there in Seville or Cadiz, maybe, or those who are based in different cities could maybe meet up regularly and chat ideas. I think that's... Something that, you know, helps because it's also kind of a social event. You see people, you're going to end up talking about other stuff too, but you're also going to talk about TEFL and share ideas. Now about conferences, uh, 
I, I think really that a lesson jam could be included. A lighter in a schedule, like fewer yeah. sessions, more time to interact. Maybe. What do you think? I absolutely, yeah, I absolutely agree. I really think that um, that the like these conferences can have those kind of lesson jams involved in them as well. I think that mm. would be great to have. Like, I don't know. So take out one hour of of talk. And put an hour of I don't know. Let's have you know there can be lessons, there can be pron ideas, there can be grammar ideas, there can be all these different like sessions that you have in there. Because I remember when I was the the teacher trainer at this this academy, um, on the weeks where I had absolutely no idea what I was going to do, mm-hmm. I told all the other teachers, bring in an idea and we'll all talk about it together. Like bring in one fun thing you've done in class and. And I know as a teacher trainer, I've learned far more like from observing other people's classes and, and watching other people's ideas than, than I have doing anything else. You know, you can you can read all the books in the world, you can go to all the conferences in the world, but True, when not you everyone watch... learns by reading books, right? So some people need more experiential. They they just need to observe, they need to see someone in action or they just want to hear it from a colleague. Not everyone wants to read books. It's it's okay. So I think this exactly. is a good idea, right? Like a swap shop that we did at Pron, with Pronsig at IATEFL, people coming in and, you know, bringing ideas and then discussing them. Yeah, this is, as we said, like student-centered. If we are the students, like teachers, and there's no host to uh, run the session and then give a lecture or whatever. So you get the participants to to bring in, to create the content, which I think is great. It's It's motivating, isn't it? It really is. Now, Michelle mentioned Tefal del Sur, um, mm. which is like a, a a wonderful conference. And this that was that was the first ever conference I was invited to speak at um, oh. back in 2013, I think it was. So it was after I'd done my first ever talk at Athea and and T, who runs the, the Tefal Development Hub, mm. came up to me and said, "Hey, we're running a conference in." in Cadiz, if you'd like to come along. Uh, and yeah, so that was like, that was, that was a huge deal for me in my, in my like career projection, that, that moment of being asked to go there. And, you know, they, they, they paid for my train, which was, you know, for me, was a, a huge deal at the time. Of course. Um, it, it was, and that was like a huge motivator for me. It was a, it was a big kind of validation. So when I was at, at the, the for that first talk that I did. Wait, I was did it the one in Cadiz? Spirit. Was it the one in Cadiz with Teresa and Simon? That's the Tefal der Sur, uh, the conference, because I've been there. Exactly. Uh, 2014, 2015, I, I used to work in Tarifa and I was there in uh, 20, I actually met Teresa and Simon back then before, you know, the pandemic. In 2014 and, and 2015? Yeah, yeah, I was wow, there with I don't my know employer. I, yeah, yeah, she I took me there. She was an amazing that. employer, so, but we, we never met, we never bumped into each other. <laughs> Oh, I don't, I think I spoke at 2013 and then maybe again in 2016. Oh, maybe that's um, right. So I think I may have missed you in the two in between because, yeah, um, yeah, because I met Charlie from Charlie's Lessons there, but never knew I'd ah, met him there okay. until I saw one of his videos when he credited me with one of the ideas that he'd come <laughs> up with. And I was like, oh, wow. Um, so Michelle didn't know that either. She said that she must have met you, but... Oh, wow. But, um, 
I can't believe that. That's, Imagine uh, that small world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. It's Simon. a very small world. I re I remember his talk about young learners. To the uh, to this day, I I really remember everything he said. Especially that he said that the young learner classroom is a jungle and they are all monsters. You have to be careful. Watch your back. It was so much fun. Uh, yeah, it, I remember these sessions. They were they were great events, and they also had some sort of swap shop. You know, people just meeting up and then raising their hands and saying, you know, sharing some ideas that worked well. I, I remember attending a couple of those there in Cadiz. Yeah. And you lived in Tarifa as well. I did not know you lived in Tarifa. Yeah, I worked there for three years. Oh what? wow, it's beautiful. I was I was oh, there really a few beautiful. weeks ago. I popped but, to um. I popped to Gibraltar and then, you know, mm. as we were as we were down there, we figured we might as well go and look at the ocean and the sea at the same time. Yeah, it's it's a it's a beautiful place because you get the Atlantic on your right and the Mediterranean on your left. It's pretty special. Exactly. Where else can you find that, you know? But really windy. <laughs> you don't want to know how yeah, windy so windy. You could get in winter. So, yeah. so windy. It was it was the second time I spoke there was twenty eighteen actually. Um, so it wasn't quite as sandwiched around as the years I thought. I just I just looked at my old Insta and I saw it there that it says yeah that that my several del Sur was in October 2018. So the first one was 2013 and then I went back again in 2018. Wow, it, it's brilliant. It's, good times. <laughs> it's so good and and they're so lovely as well. They're just they're just really lovely. Um, just some great people. Um, yeah, I know. You're lucky to have all these great people around you in the south of Spain. It's a really active VLT community for sure. Oh, it's great. It's it's really good. It's um, it's so encouraging. And as I say, without without these these wonderful people around me, then I I know that I wouldn't have I wouldn't have done what what I have done. Um, we need each other, Harry. That, that's that's it. We need each other. You know, it is such a it's such a wonderful supportive community, and, and I do love that, and I will always be appreciative of that and of all the the help I've received along the way. And you mentioned that you know before with what we were talking about before we talked about making kettle fun. Um, it was it is all about the community, and it is something that I found is so supportive. And and since I've I've focused more on the kind of sustainable side of things, you know, there are a number of other people who are involved in the sustainable side of, of Keppel and and there's 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 no competition and that's what I love about it. There's absolutely mm. none. It's just let's we're doing this for a good cause. We want to do something good. Absolutely. So let's work together. Absolutely. And on that note, it's um it's about time. We've we're coming right to the end of the show. I don't think that my my outro is going to work either after my intro worked so well um, at the start of the show. Um, the, it's been, a, you know, I'm going to say, so this, I think, is my 51st show. Oh, um, happy 51st. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, and I'd say that of these 51, the first two were a bit iffy because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but since then, most of them have gone pretty much okay, except maybe three or four. So, if you ever take on a gig as a as a live live radio stroke podcaster, just be prepared that the first five <laughs> minutes or so might be a bit shaky, and then just out of nowhere, your microphone might stop working. Um, so always be prepared and have your phone on hand just in case. 
<laughs> we're teachers so we my... have backup plans right we know <laughs> exactly exactly that anticipated um, problems and solutions <laughs> yeah except the problem was i didn't anticipate the problem i just had to <laughs> somehow figure out a solution which i wouldn't have been able to do without you so thank you so much for joining me today it's been it's been a real pleasure to get to know you um and to know all about your TEFL journey and and all of these different aspects of your your kind of careful you know the the teacher the trainer the blogger and the learner so it's been wonderful and um i hope that i will see you someday soon like face to face again yeah i, I was going to come to innovate but i unfortunately i won't make it to barcelona this year maybe next year at aya tefl you never know <laughs> tefl del sur that might be one oh, it would be great to come to spain yeah <laughs> If Hopefully. you are ever around, there's plenty of space for, for you and your husband to stay at Casa Renovable or Perfect. Renewable House. Um, so I can yeah, stay with your dog free. because I'm a dog person, so I'm very happy there to stay go. with her. <laughs> exactly. So, so there you go. Anytime you, anytime you want to come over and, and enjoy some 8,000 degree heat, you're more than welcome. <laughs> Thanks, Harry. Um, it was really great talking to you. Really enjoyed the show. <laughs> It, it, it was really wonderful. Thank you so much for coming along. Thank you, everybody, who's been here to listen. Um, there's no show next week because I'm now going down to every two weeks, um, particularly over the summer. But I'll be back on the 17th, um, which, incidentally, as I mentioned, today is my dad's birthday. So happy birthday, Dad. The mm -hmm. 17th is my, well, would have been my grandfather's 101st birthday, um, if he were oh. with us. He's no longer with us because he would have been 101. Um, that's pretty old. So um, happy birthday in advance. I'll see you all on the 17th. Thanks very much for coming along, uh, Rachel. It's been wonderful. Um, and I'll hear you all in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Thank you, Harry. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Enjoy the there summer. The outro. There you go. The outro isn't working, obviously. So. Imagine the music now. <laughs> you have been listening to <laughs> Teachers <laughs> Talk Radio. There you go. Thanks so much, Rachel. And You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.